All right, take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to the book of Galatians. Let's turn to chapter number 5. Galatians chapter number 5. Let's talk a little bit about how that you can walk in that victory that you just sing about. And I would hope and pray that it would be more than just a hymn in your heart and in your life, but that it would be a real experience for you as a believer. Turn to the book of Galatians chapter number 5. Galatians chapter number 5. The past couple of months I have... Uh, preached on uh, the subject of our uh, walking with the Lord in the, these last days. And uh, we started out by talking about Enoch and how that Enoch walked with God. And in the days before the judgment of Noah and the flood, there was a man born named Enoch who, after he had had a son by the name of Methuselah, began to walk with the Lord. The scripture says, that uh, he had this testimony that he pleased the Lord. And there at some point, Enoch disappeared. The Bible says he was not, for the Lord took him. And we believe that to be a shadow or a picture of the rapture of the church before uh, the tribulation and the great wrath of God falls upon this planet. But whether you agree with that or not, here's what we do know. We do know that he walked with God in some hard times and hard places where people were mockers of God and scoffers. And he walked with God, and he walked with God, and he pleased the Lord. Now, right after that passage in the book of Hebrews, it talks about how that, he, that without faith he can't please the Lord. And so, over the past several months, I have made an attempt to preach on different places in your Bible that refer to how that God would have us to walk. And by the way, if you're going to walk, that's an effort that you're making. That's a, that's a choice and a t- determination and a direction that you are choosing. And the Bible says you can't walk with God unless you agree with Him. How can two walk together except they be in agreement? And, you know, I've spoken to you about walking by faith. I've spoken to you about several things. Walking circumspectly. Walking worthy of your calling. Walking in the light and walking uh, in the truth. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. But there's no way that I could really bring all of this uh, to an end without dealing with one of the passages of Scripture in the New Testament that kind of just brings it to a sum. And it's found in Galatians chapter number 5. And the Word of God says in verse number 16, the Bible says, And this I say then, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And look in verse 18. He says, but if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Being led of the Spirit means that somebody is guiding you in your walk. And you'll notice also in verse number 25, it says, if we live in the Spirit... Let us also walk in the Spirit. And when you read through the New Testament, the emphasis about the Spirit of God and some of the terms that are synonymous with walking in the Spirit and living in the Spirit, of course, would be being filled uh, with the Spirit. And so I want to preach to you this morning on this passage because I believe it's one of the most valuable scriptures in the, the New Testament on how that we can overcome 
Now listen, this passage is for people who are sincere and who really do want to please the Lord and who are not just playing religion, who are not just playing church. But I'm talking about folks that are really interested in pleasing God and overcoming the flesh and uh, walking contrary to the world and being able to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and to hear those words, uh, well done, thou good and faithful servant. This is not for the person who is not interested in their Bible and not interested in pleasing the Lord. I won't be able to help you today. I don't think I can help you any Sunday anyway if you're not interested. But if you really are interested in your walk with the Lord, this is the passage for you. Let's pray for just a moment because you can't just pull that verse out of its place and just preach on walk in the Spirit without looking at exactly where that verse has been planted. And what is it that was hindering those saints from being able to do exactly what they were wanting to do? Let's pray for just a moment. Father, I thank you very much for my salvation this morning, and thank you for that song, Victory in Jesus. And I know, Lord, that is because of your amazing grace. And this morning, Lord... uh, This subject is broader and deeper and wider than I can handle in one service. I wish not, Lord, to do anything except help that child of God this morning who sincerely wants to walk in some victory. They're tired of the flesh overcoming them and defeating them constantly. And they're tired, Lord, of just being religious, and they want, dear God, a relationship with you. And so I pray that you'd help me this morning and use me. Uh, Lord, I pray and, and believe that you will, because I believe you care more about them than I ever could. And I pray you'd uh, teach through me, love through me. Use me, I pray, to help your children today. In Jesus' name, amen. There are a lot of things that have been taught over the years and many books that have been written on being filled with the Spirit and walking in the Spirit. And I have preached on that many times here. I've been asked to teach on it in some other churches like Brother Travis's and even at Pastor's Training School. But my goal is not on all that, that particular thing this morning. I want us to look at this in its context. And I believe that it will help us to understand the value about walking in the Spirit and really where we get kind of hung up at. Okay? First of all, it is in the book of Galatians, right? Paul is writing to a whole group of churches. He's not just not writing to a single church. He's writing to a group of churches. And he's trying to solve a problem. Let me show you something about this. Look in Galatians chapter 1 and look in verse number 6. I mean, he is... I think if you read through the book of Galatians, I think you'll see that Paul is very concerned about something that's going on in the lives of people who have been born again and who want to serve the Lord, and they've gotten sidetracked on how. Uh, because I'll tell you what, you know, when you get saved, the people that influence you shortly thereafter have a great impact on how fast and how far you go. And it's very difficult sometimes to unlearn some things if you're taught some things that may not be exactly right. Because they form your conscience and your new conscience in the Lord, and it's very difficult sometimes to overcome that. And so I'll, I pray that, that you will listen carefully. 
All right? Galatians chapter 1. Look what he said to them. I'm amazed at some of his terminologies here, but you'll get, you'll get his mindset here. He says in Galatians 1 verse 6, he said, I marvel, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of God unto another gospel. He said, I'm, I'm amazed at you. I'm, I marvel at you that you'd be removed from him. So whatever's happened here, whatever religious activities that have begun to take place in their life, it has removed them from the focus of the Lord Jesus Christ and them being complete in Him. Remember that. Any religious activity or whatever somebody places in your life or upon your conscience, if it begins to move you away from your focus and your emphasis and your love and your estimation and your esteem for Christ, you need to watch out for that. That is a dangerous thing. And men can do it and mean well. Now I want you to notice in chapter 3, look what he says. And look in verse 1. Look at this terminology. He said, O foolish Galatians. O foolish Galatians. Who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you. Again, the focus is off of Christ. They've been bewitched. They've been fooled. Look in verse 2. This only would I learn of you. Received you the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now that question really is a question that has an obvious answer. They had received the Spirit of God by faith when they received Christ by faith. Look what he said in verse 3 again. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Interesting terminology here. Look in chapter 4, verse 11. He says this. He says, I... I'm afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. He's wondering, have I wasted my time with you? Wow. That's not the power of positive preaching. Amen? Now look with me in chapter 4 verse 19. He said, my little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. And that's the goal here. Walking in the Spirit. The goal is to have Christ formed in you. You being conformed to the image of Christ. That is the goal. Some folks want to use the Spirit of God rather than the Spirit of God using them. And look and notice he says in verse 20, he said, I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice, for I stand in doubt of you. Wow, he's being pretty harsh with these folks. Look in chapter 5 with me, please, in verse number 7. Look at this. He says, you did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? 
This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. In other words, uh, you didn't learn this from the Lord. (laughs) You didn't learn this from Jesus. You didn't learn this from the Holy Spirit. Now you'll notice here that um, the whole book of Galatians deals with a word that is tossed around in America now, among, especially among independent Baptists and Southern Baptist churches and even the non-denominational churches. This book is, is used many times, and the word that is used is the word legalism. But the problem with that word is, is that that word today is being used like the word racism. Now, racism is a problem. And legalism is a problem. And it's a problem in this book. And we're, But you need to understand what it is to be able to define it and discern it and get away from it. Just like you would with the true uh, fact of racism. I mean, if somebody doesn't get what they want, get their way, get the job that they want, and things of that nature, they call somebody a racist. And everybody today is afraid of being called a racist. But you know, it wasn't I or you when God separated the sons of Noah and placed them in their locations and their colors began to change. That was the Lord that did that. All right? And I would say what God has separated, you don't need to be putting together. And I would say what God has put together, you don't need to be separated. Amen, Brother Roger. So, anyway, let me just say the same is true about the word legalist in the churches today. A lot of churches accuse a church like ours of being a legalistic church. Now, I'm not saying some legalism does not exist in some folks. I mean, that's just part of growth in Christianity. But to say that East River Baptist Church bases its ministry and its philosophy and its preaching and its ideas on legalism is a false accusation. That's simply not true. When you come here and you say, oh man, no rock band? No girls jumping around with sliced up jeans in Jesus' name? No dazzling light shows to enhance the worship experience? Why, you legalistic preacher? No women pastors or deacons? No women deacons? How dare you? No recognition of same-sex marriages when they really do love each other? No drag queens for youth night? Why, you legalistic bunch of Baptists. That's exactly the way the world would see some of the things, and even some liberal churches would look at that. They don't even know what they're talking about, just like... Sometimes when somebody doesn't get what they want, you're a racist, you're a racist, you're a racist. They just throw the word out there because they don't get their way about certain things. And yet, as foolish as this is, and just because people abuse the word doesn't mean that the danger doesn't exist in the assembly. And you'll find here that Paul is dealing with a very serious problem. And I want you to look at this with me because the goal here is to conform you to the image of Christ. I think many of you are very sincere. I think that you want to please the Lord. 
And I think that you sometimes gravitate to some of your weaknesses in order to try to please Him rather than just beginning to... Here's the thing about walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit will guide you into the truth because He is the Spirit of truth. So if you're following the leadership of the Holy Spirit, He is constantly teaching you and guiding you and helping you to and revealing how valuable Christ really is to you. And He's going to have to change some things in your life. If you walk in the truth and you want to continue to walk in the truth, you'll have to make some adjustments in your life. That's just the way it is. But His concern here now, when we use the term legalism, okay, or legalist, there are two areas in which this occurs and does occur. One of it has to do with salvation. A legalist concerning salvation will take Jesus and add something to it in order to be saved. That's a legalist. Whereas you talk about Jesus, but you always have some kind of formula that Jesus Christ and His crucifixion and His death and His resurrection and His atonement is almost enough, but not complete. You're going to have to help Him out a little bit, and you're going to have to hold on, and you're going to have to add to it. Now, that's a legalist. Some of the Judaizers had snuck in there because of their love for the, for the Lord and their uh, love for the law of Moses and their old ways. They said, hey, yeah, we, we know that you ought to trust Jesus Christ, but we think also in order to honor the Old Testament and Moses, we think also you must be circumcised also in order to be saved. So they had a big meeting about that in Acts 15. They had, they had all the big guns there. They debated it for, for days. They and the Holy Spirit came to the conclusion that that simply is not true. The salvation is by faith and by grace in Christ alone. Amen. Now that's it concerning salvation. But then you go in the area of sanctification. And now you're talking about how do we live a holy life? How do we live a separated life? How do we wind up uh, walking in holiness and godliness and the way the Lord would have us to do now? Here comes folk. Now, this is listen. When that drives you, when you when you get saved and you want to serve the Lord and you want to do what's right, uh, you are your heart now is very tender to okay. Do I need to stop this? Do I need to start this? Do I need to stay away from this? Do I need to? And you don't know. And as it depends then upon the information and the knowledge that you get and how men place things upon your conscience. So. What was happening there in the book of Galatians, they were wanting to overcome the flesh. There were some people here who wanted the power of God in their lives. They wanted to please the Lord. Now, according to what I can understand here, uh, they had begun correctly. You'll notice again in the book of Galatians in chapter 3, look with me please, it says in verse number 2, He said, this only what I learn of you, received you the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Now, everybody's got to begin somewhere, right? Okay, now when he's talking about beginning in the Spirit, when you hear the Word of God, and God begins to open your heart, and you receive the truth, the Bible refers to that as being born again. You all agree with that? Being born again? It also means being born of the Spirit. Born of the Spirit. Jesus said that which, you know, that, that if you're born of the flesh, 
That's just flesh. But you have to be born of the Spirit. And so when you get born again and you get saved, you are then also what is referred to in the Bible as born of the Spirit. Now, look with me, please, in Galatians 4. Look over there with me, please. In Galatians 4, when you trust the Lord Jesus Christ today, you get, you get a, a package deal. Boy, God gives you some stuff that sometimes you don't even know all the stuff that you got. You have to learn about it. All right? But look in Galatians 4, and look what he says right here in verse 4. When the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Would you agree with me this morning that God the Father sent God the Son to the earth? to be the propitiation for your sins. Would you agree that God raised Him from the dead? And you have, now at some point, repented toward God and put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to be your atonement and to be your propitiation, to be your payment, to be your Redeemer, to be your Savior. That if you died and God said, why should I let you into heaven? You say, by Christ alone. I believe, I believe, I believe. All right, now watch. Look what he says in verse 6. And he says, and because you are sons. Now when you get saved, do you become a son of God? When you get born again, are you birthed into the family of God? Yes, you are. What manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. All right. Now, when you become a son of God, something happens. The Bible says, and because you are sons. Because you are sons. God has sent forth the spirit of his son, where? Into your hearts. So when you got saved... When you got born again, if you trusted Christ, according to that scripture, when you became a son of God, God the Father sent the Spirit of God. And I know this is simple for some of you, but we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to go through this route. The Spirit of God came to live inside of you, and that was not dependent upon your nervous system. And what I mean by that, it doesn't matter how you felt or how you feel. See, this is where that Paul is looking at them and said, Hey, when I came and preached to you, and you heard the gospel, and you got born again, and the Spirit of God came to live in your hearts, he said, Don't you remember that? That's how you started out. And so when they started out and they were excited about being saved, they had some joy, their sins had been forgiven, and now they had to learn how to live for God. And boy, you know, it's... That's sometimes just when religious people begin to, again, you might say gravitate into your life and they have their own plans and ideas. And really their plans and ideas are to control you. And that's really what a legalist does. I'm talking about when it comes to sanctification and transformation. And they mean well. They mean well. They mean well. I don't know about you, but I got saved right out of high school. I'd done enough sinning to sink a ship by then. 
And I wanted to be saved. Nobody had taught me into being saved. I wanted to be. I wanted to be forgiven. Nobody had to, had to talk me into to asking Jesus Christ to come into my heart and save me. I wanted Him to save me. I wanted Him to change me. So, shortly after that, I began to read books and listen to men. Say, okay, Lord, I want to serve you and I want to please you. What, what do I need to do? Now, this could have been my weakness. I'm not saying everybody gravitated to this, but I'm just saying this is my weakness. Things were put in my life, put in my hands. This is the things that I gravitated to because what I was looking for, Brother Lewis, was the power of God in my life. To walk with the Lord. And to walk with him and to please him, my wife would bear testimony of my sincerity. We got, we got married shortly, not too long after that. She'll bear witness to you the sincerity of my heart to please the Lord and to seek after him. And so when men would begin to place things upon my conscience, promising me the power of God. So, okay, I grew up as an average teenager in high school. I went to a lot of movies. Back in those days, they had what they called drive-ins. Y'all probably wouldn't even know what that is. But they're really just flesh pots is what they are. But when I heard man say, man, you quit going to them movies, you'll have the power of God in your life. I said, okay, I'm going to quit going to the movies. And they said, all right, you give up that rock music, some of that other music you got, you, you'll have the power of God. And I said, okay, I'm going to give that up. And they said, all right, you get that haircut, get rid of them bell-bottom blue jeans and them platform shoes, and Lord bless you. And I said, all right, I'll get rid of all that. And they said, okay, now you... You, you, uh, you, you quit this and you quit that and I quit everything. Matter of fact, I love baseball and I, I grew up without a television and so I listened to St. Louis Cardinals on radio a lot because uh, I couldn't get to Astros. Now, I'm an Astro fan now, but back then it was, it was, a, it was a Cardinals. I'd listen to it. I'd, I'd drive a tractor all day, go home at night, turn the radio on, listen to the Cardinals until I fell asleep. Well, I mean, they talked about all kinds of worldly stuff that would hinder your walk with God. And I said, okay, Lord, I'll give up baseball then. I gave up everything that I knew to do. And they said, they promise you the power of God. But I'm going to tell you what it did to me. Because when you take things away, but you don't add the right thing into it, and you don't turn that young man toward the right person, and you don't turn his focus to Christ and the Spirit of God, it's not that I didn't need to get rid of some of that stuff, because I did. But it wasn't that I needed to give everything up or all of those things in some of those areas. If I'd have just let the Holy Ghost put his finger on stuff, hey, man, you need to stop this. That's too much of that. That's too much of this. Like baseball. Like, hey, I like baseball, but don't let it become a God. Don't become too much, too much of a good thing. Some of you look at me like, you crazy. I know, sometimes I am. And sometimes you are. Matter of fact, I think that sometimes being city the only normal ones, and I worry about her sometimes. <laughs> but I really wanted the power of God. I did. So I did everything that I could to do to pull away from the world. And that's basically what he was talking about there. Is that, and because when those, when, those, when those legalists came into the town, Peter was eating and fellowshipping with the Gentiles at the table, and he was doing some things that the law 
had forbidden back in the Old Testament. But now that he was a child of God, now he had liberty to eat ham and pork chops and, uh, and fried shrimp. And he was sitting there eating and fellowshipping with the, And it wasn't about the food. It was about the fellowship with the Gentiles. And he could sit and eat with them. But when the big boy showed up, he pulled away from them. And the Bible says that the dissimulation became so bad that even Barnabas pulled away from them. And I think that it was such an impact and influence that it seemed like that they were saying, hey, listen, if you want to be right with God, if you want to be full of the Spirit, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to get circumcised because that word comes up a lot in the book of Galatians. And so he kind of pulled away. And so I'm saying that if, if, if you have to have anything plus Christ, you're going to miss it. If that be anything but the Spirit of God, you're going to miss it. So I'm going to tell you what happened to me. And so I'm going to use myself as an illustration, and I'm, I'm, I'm exposing myself. I'm making myself vulnerable, especially to some of my brethren that might be seeing this or watching this, but I don't care. At least I don't care right now. I might want to get home, but right now I don't. But I'm thinking about my journey, my sincerity, and I don't think that your sincerity is enough. I think you have to be willing to submit yourself to the truth. Okay? And so I'm thinking about all the things, okay? So Cindy and I get married, and I find out that it's a wicked thing for a woman to wear a pair of breeches. And so I tell her she cannot wear pants, and she submits to that. Okay? Now, don't lose me right there, ladies. Don't lose me right there, all right? I'm just telling you my process of things. So she, she, she was a good woman. I'm talking about, and listen, I heard about uh, Christmas trees being uh, idols, and so we got rid of the, all the stuff about Christmas except the gifts that people wanted to give me. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, did, I moved away from everything and anything that anybody that printed anything in the soul of the Lord that said that was worldly, that I moved away from it. Uh, anything, anything that was in a book with an independent Baptist, I moved away from it. I did. Uh, man, you know, not, not having a beard or a mustache. Uh, I- anything. And so my wife was so gracious and kind to me. And my children, a lot of things I didn't let them do. If I could go back, I'd change some things. And I'd focus on a relationship with Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost and not on some other things. To stay away from. Okay, I would. But that doesn't mean you don't need to stay away from some things. Because the Holy Ghost will tell you, that's enough, that's enough, leave that alone. He'll do that. But without that relationship, and you start pulling away from things, and you start, like he said, you know, they started observing uh, days, and uh, weeks, and months, and holidays, and feasts, things like that. They were going back. Not forward. They thought they were going forward, but they were going back. And their goal was to overcome the flesh. That was their goal, was to be right with God. And so they started sneaking back into some of the Old Testament ways rather than understanding that if you're led by the Spirit, your motive now is love. Whereas under the law, it said, Thou shalt not commit adultery. And so you didn't commit adultery because you were afraid of the punishment. And what it may cost you, they might even put you to death if you got caught committing adultery under the law. 
But once you get saved and the love of God is shed abroad in your heart, now you're not committing adultery because I love my brother and because it would hurt my brother. And because it would displease the Lord. And I'm not thinking about the punishment. I'm thinking about how it would affect another person. The motive is completely different in what you do. And boy, it makes you a whole lot happier. And gives you a whole lot more strength to do what's right. Because if the only thing that, if you're always motivated by not getting caught and not getting punished, you're a miserable soul. And then you're going to become critical of those people who are doing some of those things and they hadn't got caught yet. And they're happy and you're not. Now when it comes to some of that, I can remember that it made me, it turned me into what I did not want to become. I became a Pharisee. Critical of anybody that had a television. Now I'm being very transparent here. You had a television, as far as I was concerned, and I've heard even some other preachers here and some that have come through here that if you had a television, there's no way you could be in fellowship with God. Now, I believe a television can get you out of fellowship with God, but that's not the problem. I hope you understand that. I hope so. I sure hope so. So, we're, we're getting rid of everything and doing nothing, basically. And it turned me into a Pharisee. If I saw a woman at the store, this was, I'm not, now we're not talking about yesterday. We ain't talking about last year. We're talking about, now you see, I'm, I'm, I'm what the Bible refers to as an ancient one. I, I prefer, you know, I prefer, not antique is not the word. The word is, is classic. Like a 1957 Chevrolet. I came out in 57. I'm not an antique. I'm a classic. But I'm talking about now back in the... I'm talking about now 20, over 20 years ago that I went through some of these things. And God is dragging me through here because what I wanted was my people to be happy. I wanted them to be holy. And I wanted them to be godly. And I wanted them to be strong. And I wanted them to have a relationship. I wanted that for my son. I wanted that for my girls. And some of the things that I were taught was actually opposing the very things that I was seeking after. Because while I was becoming a Pharisee, and if I saw a woman at a store somewhere, and and I knew she was a Christian and she was wearing a pair of slacks, I said, man, there's no way that woman could be used of God. And the reason why we, I say that is because that was a big cowbell of independent Baptists out of Deuteronomy 22.5 that a man should not wear that which pertaineth unto a woman and a woman should not wear that which pertaineth unto a man. And I held on to that. And I, by the way, that principle is still true. And the Holy Ghost just simply means though, and now as I see it in the proper light, in their custom, you don't need to be a transgender. Amen. And you don't need to be a drag queen. But I also read the rest of those passages and there were men who wore skirts in the Old Testament and robes and women, but there was a distinction between them. The man was not trying to look like a woman and the woman wasn't trying to look like a man. And that's the problem right there. But you got to learn some of that stuff. Amen? you got to learn some of that stuff. I remember when we first came here, we met some of you and y'all were all dressed up in dresses except the men. I thought I'd throw that in there. 
And then we'd see some of you at Walmart and y'all would have a pair of blue jeans on and you ran and hid. That's not what God wants. That's what I'm saying. And you have to learn to get through some of those things because it doesn't produce the power of God. And I would write Brother Griggers. He was over in Liechtenstein at that time and, and we would talk about these things about being filled with the Spirit. We'd talk about what, what does it really mean? And I've told you this before and I'll tell you again. I fasted for two solid weeks. Try that. Try two days. See what your flesh says. And I tried for two weeks. I did it for two weeks. Put my face in the ground there in Louisiana and I begged God to fill me with His Spirit. Because I wanted it. I had read about men who had great experiences. I wanted it. At all costs. I wanted it. And the Lord would not give me that experience. And you know what he told me? In the inner man. And when you start looking after and you walk with him, he'll speak to you in your inner man. If you're sincere and you're walking in the light that you have and you're walking according to what you know, he'll speak to your inner man when he gets down to the nitty gritty. He said, will you serve me if I don't give you an experience? And I said, yes, Lord, I will. And he said, let me ask you a question. He said, "Um, how is it that you are able to love your wife the way you do? How is it that you're able to have a song in your heart? How is it that you're able to understand the scriptures and teach them? How is it that you're able to have a changed life and God and that you broke the, the chain of sin that was in your life? How is it that you are able to have these evidences of things? How where did that come from? And it just dawned on me that some of us would rather have the an experience than we would the evidence of the Spirit of God working in our hearts and in our lives. And he said to me and spoke to my heart, he said, you know why you're in this mess, don't you? And I said, no. He said, because you listen to and you read and believe other books more than you do the book. <laughs> Isn't that simple? And you know what that means, brother? It means that the words of men were weighing upon my heart and mind more than the words of God. Do you know that that will transform your life when you begin to truly receive what the Scriptures have to say? That's why it doesn't bother me if you say, hey, where's that in the Bible? Don't bother me. Just ask with a good attitude. Where's that in the Scripture? Is that, is that what the Bible teaches in principle or in truth? Now, I think the Bible teaches, again, I have to balance all this so some of you can understand what I'm trying to say right here. You don't overcome the flesh by following a bunch of rules. You've overcome the flesh by having a relationship with the Holy Ghost. And he will tell you as a woman what to put on and what not to put on. He'll tell you when it's too low or too high or too tight. Your relationship with him and your desire to please him will create in you a spirit of modesty. He is the one who will tell you, "Uh, uh, 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 don't say that to your husband like that. Don't talk to him like that. All of that will happen when you establish your relationship with the Holy Ghost. And he will help you to overcome 
the things that all the rules and regulations will never be able to do for you. But the Spirit of God will lead you toward not being caught up and eat up by the world. He will help you to how to abstain from things that, are, that, that you've gotten out of balance in your life. He will do that. But I also will tell you that there are things in your life that He's given to you to enjoy. To enjoy. So let's look at this. I'm, I'm running out of time. But I hope and pray that you follow me here now. And I want you to notice something here very important uh, to you. Look in Galatians 5 with me, please, okay? Religion bases so many things on ritualism and mysticism and asceticism. And good men do that as well. <coughs> Excuse me. When you are led of the Spirit, you're out from under the law of Moses and all the rituals that come with it and all the things. But you're not without law. You are now under the law of Christ. And Christ is concerned about your motive. Christ is concerned about what's in your heart and what's in your imagination, what's in your mind. And He wants you to do what's right because it is right because you love Him. If a man truly loves his wife, he really loves her, it makes it much easier for him not to look at other women. If he's having issues with his wife, and he's bitter at his wife, he's angry with his wife, he's agitated with his wife, it'll be much easier for him to go the other direction. You keep your relationship right with God in these areas. Look in Galatians 5 with me. Look at this, okay? Look what he says in verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So the command here is, in verse number 16 is, he says, I want you to agree with the Spirit, I want you to walk in the Spirit, and I want you to live in the Spirit. All right, now, we read some verses here that are synonymous throughout the Scriptures. Out of Romans 6, 7, and 8, there are some passages through there because the Holy Spirit is going to take you... Let me read these verses first and I'll explain it to you. All right? You'll notice he says in verse 18, But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Okay? If you read Romans chapter 7, you'll find how that the Holy Spirit will help you and guide you that you are now dead to the law and alive in Christ. All right? Now, watch this. He says down here in uh, verse number 24, And they that, are, they, they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? It means that you, then the Holy Spirit's going to take your hand and He's going to carry you through some areas that I've told you that you must walk with God. No one's going to be by faith. And that where He talks about crucified, He's referring to the fact that you are now by faith are to acknowledge the fact that you have been bought with a price. You no longer belong to yourself. You are, you are dead and you belong to God. You are dead. The old you has no rights to run your life. You are dead and you are to acknowledge that. You are dead. And now you are to acknowledge the fact that God has now brought new life into you. He says you're to know and you're to reckon and you're to yield. That's what that word crucified and living in the Spirit. It's the same principles involved. It is the fact that when Roger Hoots bowed his knee and called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the old Roger right there 
has given his life to Christ and that old man no longer has the right to tell me what to do. And when I got baptized, it was a picture of being buried, the old life and the new life coming forward and walking with God. I reckon this now. So really, there are times when I'd like to sometimes, uh, let me say an illustration. Maybe somebody really irritates you. You'd like to smack them one. I mean, really, I mean, just, you know what you need. And you can justify it with the Scripture. The Bible says a fool's lips calleth for strokes. And sometimes it does. But there's something inside of me that says, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute. You, you, you don't get to do what you want to do. You do what I want you to do right here. Yes, Lord. But can I hit him and then ask you to forgive me? <laughs> That's what a lot of us do. Do you understand, though, that God wants you to see this so that you might, if you're a teenager struggling with, and more young people struggle with fleshly lust. They do. There are many things that go into that. Your answer is to learn to have a good relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. Acknowledging the fact that your body doesn't belong to you. How you dress it, how you advertise it, that's not up to you. That's up to the Lord. You ask God, is this pleasing to you? You ask Him about your attitude at work. Guys, you don't belong to you. You belong to the Lord. You represent Him on the job. And yes, it might be very provoking where you work. It may be very frustrating where you work. But there is no perfect place to work. There are no perfect people to work for. There are no perfect people to hire. And you're going to need the Lord to help you in those relationships. And you're to act as if He would have you to do. Let me... um, I don't have time to finish this. I want to show you a couple of verses. I want you to turn to Romans 15. Very, very important here. Look in Romans 15 with me, please. Romans 15. It was a great day in my life when I found out that I didn't have to beg the Holy Spirit to fill me. (laughs) Because He had already told me to be filled with the Spirit. It became a matter of faith and submission and obedience to the Word of God. To walk in the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit. It's a matter of choice each day when you arise. I do leak, and you do too. But boy, to know that He lives in you, and He does. I love that passage in 1 Corinthians 6. What, know you not? Your body is the temple of God. You've been bought with a price. You're not your own. You're to glorify God in your body and your soul and your spirit belong to God. Look in Romans 15. I think you see a pattern here. Look in verse 1. He says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification, for even Christ pleased not himself. That's the law of Christ. 
It is not to please myself, but it is to please the Lord. Quickly turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 14. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 14. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 14. Look at this. He says in verse 14, For the love of Christ constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. See, if you walk in the Spirit, you're living a selfless life. When you walk in the flesh, you are walking in a selfish and self-willed life that's going to hurt you. When you listen to the Spirit of God and you listen to the Word of God, life becomes a whole lot more fun. A lot of joy. A lot of peace. So no, I didn't go back to the drive-in. No, I don't go to the movies every week or every other week. I might go, but you know what? I can go to a movie without being condemned. Except by the brethren. I can go, but I can't go to just anything. So I have to be very careful where I go, when I go, what I'm going to see because I don't want to hurt my testimony. I remember when we first came here. Oh, it's like yesterday. Word got out that I first time I ever took my kids uh, to a theater, and you may you may be totally against theaters, and most of that ninety nine percent of that is not good. I agree with you. You ain't got no problem here with that. I'm, I'm not a theater promoter, but I have the lawful right to go if I want to go. It's just I don't have the right to go and watch something that's nasty and bad and wicked and ungodly. You say, well, that's all there is out there. Well, maybe that's all you ever see, but you probably got a television or cell phone that you probably watch stuff. You're just worried about your reputation. But I remember it word got out that we had taken our kids to see The Lion King. The cartoon. Remember that king? The, the old one? That's a long time ago, wasn't it? Okay. The Lion King. And had a lady come up to the church with me and just chewed on me, chewed me out. If I'd have known you'd done something like that, there ain't no way I'd ever have voted for you to be our pastor. I mean, just chewed us up. And she said, what do you think those lost people thought when you standing in line going, just going to that theater? I said, I don't think they thought anything. I said, it was just Pharisees like you that were upset. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, chewing on your pastor about something like that is a whole lot worse than going to see a movie. Amen. If you want to measure sin. Yes, so, I not only listen to baseball, but now I go to a baseball game. But I don't go, but maybe once a year. Maybe go see a movie, maybe once a year. And that depends on if it's Spider-Man or, or, or Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, I just love some of y'all's faces, man. It's just awesome. 
If they came out with one on Calvin and Hobbes, I'd definitely go see that. <laughs> Do you understand? I'm just saying that i got to always keep things in balance. Listen to the Holy Ghost. There are times, like when I, I, like, I like to fish and enjoy it, but I don't like, I like to go guilt-free fishing. I like to go where that I've taken care of my duties. As far as I know, nobody needs me, and I'm going. Okay? But I'm not going to, if I'm not ready for Sunday, or if somebody needs me, and I put that in front of my obligations and my responsibilities, that doesn't please the Lord. Amen? It doesn't please the Lord. And so I'm simply saying that there are just some, and even when it comes to music, I grew up on music. My mom had a radio in the kitchen, a wood-burning stove going and a country music station going at 6 o'clock in the morning, every morning. I can sing you some tunes. And when I got saved, then I got in, of course, as a teenager, I got into all of that rock music stuff. When I got saved, I knew that I needed, and the Holy Spirit said, you need a different, you need a different kind of music. And you need to, and, and, and even in that, I have had to make adjustments. But can I tell you this, honestly and sincerely? I believe there is Christian music. I think there's black and gray and white. I think there's carnal and corrupt music that will hurt you mentally and spiritually. You need to pay attention to what you're listening to. If it's causing, you know, if it's causing you to scratch your head and pull your hair out, maybe you ought to try something else. If your plants are dying, maybe you ought to try something else. And then there's what I honestly believe is Christian music. But even in that, there's variations of what people think about is what's right and what's wrong. But I think I can tell. I think the Holy Ghost can say in me. I listen to 105.7 primarily for good Christian music here in Houston. 89.3 is more contemporary. But did you know occasionally I can hear a good song on that station? Occasionally. And so when it's not good, it's not right, let's change it. I don't take the radio out. Do you understand? I hope you do. I hope and pray you understand that. But also I believe there is what is referred to as cultural music. Songs that are ballads. Songs that tell stories. Like, I love Dixie. That's part of my culture. I'm a Mississippi boy. I like that song. It's not a hymn. But it's not sinful for me to listen to it. Do you understand? Oh, yeah, you, you, the, 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 the Irish, they can listen to their music, and you think they're okay. The Scottish, they can listen to their music, they think they're okay. But if I'm an American and I have some cultural music, you think I'm worldly. Not true. Not true. So I'm trying to help you to understand that the only way you, some of you young people, if you get sick and tired of independent Baptists, why don't you try a relationship with the Holy Ghost? Before you quit us, before you walk away, before you blame us for being legalistic, why don't you try a relationship with the Holy Ghost? 
Why don't you get in there and find out in your conscience and what is good and what's right, what works for you. And I promise you the Spirit of God is going to guide most every woman to a modest dress style. I'm talking about her. Whatever she's wearing, it's going to be modest. And whatever music that you're listening to, it's going to be edifying or encouraging. And whatever movie that you might go to, whatever you're watching at home or whatever you're watching on your phone or whatever you're watching on your laptop will be right. The Holy Ghost leads toward goodness and righteousness and faith. People cannot police you all the time. You've got to want to do what's right. And the Holy Ghost will help you in doing what's right. If I could redo some things, man, I would. Instead of living in fear, I'd live by faith. I would. I was taught to live in fear of being isolated instead of insulated. Some of you were too. Now that you've gotten older, now that you've got a strained relationship with some of your children, now you're starting to change a little bit just so you can fellowship with them. It's not that you really have considered it from a faith perspective, but you need to consider it from a biblical principle perspective. Amen. Gosh, I hate to stop right here. I feel like I'm unhooking from the train, but I need to because... Otherwise, you're going to shut down on me anyway because it's lunchtime. And Baptist brains, they kind of start shutting down around lunchtime. Not with you folks. I thank God for you. I thank God the way you listen. I thank God for you trying to do what's right. I want to thank God for my, my children. There are three of them here today. Them putting up and being patient with Dad. And mom, they knew dad was very sincere in everything that he did. It wasn't anything that was done out of insincerity. They know that. They respect their father for walking in the light that God has given him. And they have told me many times, dad, we're adults. We'll make our own decisions. It's not, it's not you that's responsible for all of our decisions. They try to encourage me. And I thank God that there are three of them here today. And I thank God that they're all productive citizens, and I thank God that they all want to come and sit at mom and dad's table and fellowship with us because they love us. And I'm just here to tell you that the same thing is true at the house of God. You show such tight circles where nobody can have anything to do with you. You're going to become a Pharisee. You're going to criticize everything everybody ever does. Nobody will ever be able to please you, and you're going to be a miserable soul. You don't have to live that way. It's about a relationship. And that's why Paul was so hard. He said, are you foolish? Who bewitched you? Who told you? That if you would just start doing this and this and this, you would be walking with God. If you just start observing this feast or taking this day or doing this, that you'd be closer to God. He said, "That didn't God didn't tell you that. Somebody did. Now, I'm going to go home today and wonder... Did I make this clear? Those of you who are gray in hair, you need to be willing for God to teach you, guide you, and help you. You that are very young, you don't have a clue probably about some of the things I'm talking about, but you will as you begin to develop your faith in Christ. Let's stand together, please. If you're a young child, if you're a teenager...
and you don't agree maybe with what your mom and dad thinks you should or should not do, the Holy Ghost would have you to obey your mom and dad. That's a pretty simple truth because they know you. And then when you get older and you get away from home, I pray that you'd have a good relationship with God and not go crazy. We can do right in the sight of God. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for my church family. And uh, Lord, I want them to walk in the spirit like you do. I want them to live in the spirit like you do. I want them, Lord, to know the difference between flesh, between legalism, between grace and truth. And I hope I've made it clear. I hope I haven't hurt any young Christian who may be struggling in their conscience. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help them and just show them. And I pray you'd bear witness to the truth. In Jesus' name, amen.